You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. So I'm uh, double jobbing today with so many people away, so I'm afraid you're going to have to bear with me for the next part of our gathering here today because I'm going to speak today about something called the rescue. And uh, when I was on holidays, we had a week off there in September, Denise and I, and I was reading through the book of Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible. And I've been quite taken up by um, this guy called Abraham. He used to be sometimes known as Abraham. And I've been quite taken up about him because the more I read about this character in the Bible, the more I'm inspired from my own life, and I think all of us who love the Lord should be inspired by how this guy lived his life, because he really does inspire faith and wisdom. And I want to look at Genesis 14. I'm going to throw up the scripture verses there for uh, five of the verses. And the context that we're about to go in and we're about to read into is set thousands of years ago, It's a historical fact. Some people say the Bible is just made up. It's not. It's historical fact. And we're going to be looking at a war that happened, and people who have no faith at all have discovered through archaeology that this war did take place. And this is what we're going to be reading into. Abraham came from what is now Iraq, And God told him to leave that place and go to a new land. It's very symbolic for us. I grew up uh, in a home with a certain standard and a way of thinking. But at the age of 19, Jesus Christ touched my heart. And I met some friends who told me how they had encountered God in a very new and vibrant way. And I was attracted by it. And I asked the Lord to come into my heart. And it changed my life. Hallelujah. Um, At the time, I remember my mother saying, you're going through a phase. Well, that's a long phase. Hallelujah. Um, And it's the best phase I've ever gone through. So 38 years later, it's still going strong for me. And Jesus Christ is my best friend. And, and, and I love to be a Christian. But something really changed in me. And when we read about this man, Abraham, he left behind a certain way of life. And he moved forward to something far better. He, his journey was physical. Our journey is spiritual. So we're going to read about this man. And he had left his old land. He came to the promised land. It's not really called Israel yet. Um, and his nephew, a guy called Lot, traveled with him. And the context of this is that uh, Lot and Abraham were both back then shepherds. They had huge flocks. It's a bit like having a load of money in the bank today. And they had so many flocks that they had to live in two separate places in order for their animals to have enough grazing. And when you read into it, it's very interesting. Um, Abraham, the older man, said to his nephew, Lot, his, Lot was like his son. He was so close to him. And he said, we need to live slightly apart. You choose what area you want to live in. Are you still with me? And good girl, Martina. 
And then Lot said, he looked around with his natural eyes and he said, you know what? Down there, it's really well watered. I'm going to live down there because it'll be easier. And the older man, Abraham, said, well, God bless you. You make the choice. So Lot went down to the well-watered plains and Abraham stayed in the less fertile hill country. And into that context, we read that a war started. So may the Holy Spirit bring life to these verses, to our minds and our souls today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here it is up on the screen. The enemy attacked and they took possession of the cities Sodom and Gomorrah and they stole all of their riches. They also captured most of the people living there, including Abraham's beloved nephew, Lot. Then one man who escaped came and told Abraham what had happened. Abraham gathered his 318 trained men immediately. And they traveled up to the far north of Israel to the area of Dan. Abraham divided his forces in two. And he attacked the enemy at night. And then they defeated the enemy and chasing them as far as the city of Damascus. So they brought back all the stolen goods and they set the people free, including Abraham's nephew, Lot. So this is the short portion of scripture I want to read today. And we're just going to examine it for the next few moments and just see how does this apply to your life this evening and Monday morning and next week and the week after. So the first thing we read is that the enemy attacked and took possession of Sodom and Gomorrah, stealing its riches, riches and capturing the people there. What's really important to realize is when Lot and Abraham made a choice that I spoke of earlier, where they should live, the well-watered plains had these cities, Sodom, Gomorrah, and others. So Lot chose the easier place to live. But because he was living there, and we know that the whole culture there was terribly corrupt. For example, one of the things they did there was they regularly killed their children, they sacrificed their babies and their toddlers. It's horrific to us, but they sacrificed them. And Lot was living among them. So when the enemy attacked, he got caught up with the issue that was going on there. Now, if you read the Bible further, you will read, and I can read, that Lot was a good guy. He was a believer. But he was a believer who made decisions just based on natural stuff. He didn't really bring the Holy Spirit. He didn't pray really into it. And so because he was hanging around with these guys, he gets caught up in the trouble that happened to them. It's a bit like if you or I slide and just make easy choices without praying it through and we look at it naturally and not spiritually, sooner or later we're going to get caught up in the consequences of that. It's a law. It's called the sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow into your life, you're going to reap that. If you're kind to people, 
guess what will happen? People will probably be kind to you. If you're nasty to people, people are going to end up being nasty to you. That's a very simple analogy, but Lot was in a place he really shouldn't have been in, and so he gets captured. Maybe there's someone in your life that you really love, and they're captured this morning. You love them, but they're not free. Lot wasn't free. So he was captured along with everyone else living there. And we know that there was a, a confederation of kings attacked these wealthy cities. And back then they would traffic, is the word we'd use today. The people they captured, they'd kidnap them. And they'd sell them on as slaves. And they took all of the gold and the wealth of that place. And so this is what happened to Lot, and we can see it in verse 12. Because he was living in that place, the enemy also captured Abram's beloved nephew, Lot. Now, Abram hadn't had any children, and Lot was like his son. There was a real bond between them. Lot's dad had died. So really, you're almost talking about the father-son relationship in a very good way. And Lot was a good guy. We read elsewhere that he was a righteous man. But he had chosen to live in this place. And I don't have time to go into it today, but if you read it yourself, you'll read that because he lived there, it destroyed his marriage. His wife ends up dead. And his two daughters end up totally perverted and began to live a life of incest and so on. So Lot, in making a carnal, fleshly choice, ends up destroying his family. Even though he was a good guy. Those girls, his daughters, grew up looking at a very warped worldview. And so they began to take on board the worldview of the people they lived among. And, you know, we're not exactly, you know, some people say, well, should Christians just buy an island and live on their own until the land? No, that's like really weird. That's not what God wants us to do. Um, he wants us to be in the world, but not of the world. He wants us to live in the world and connect with people and shine like light here. But he doesn't want us to take on some of the really weird values that the world has. And that's why we are an alternative community. And churches like ours that are all over Ireland, all over the world, the fastest growing spiritual movement in the world. That's why we're growing. We're providing an alternative. You don't have to be like everyone else. You can make up your own mind and go, you know what? There's a better way to live life. There's a better way to rear kids. There's a, there's a higher way. And it brings blessing, not curses. Hallelujah. And so that's what Christianity is. Jesus was a revolutionary. He revolutionized the world. But he didn't do it with guns. He did it with the heart. And he persuaded people with their minds. And that's what Christianity is about. It's a different way to live. But Lot, even though he was a believer in an Old Testament way, had really begun to slide into a different situation. And he wasn't really living the life that God wanted him to live. And he pays the price. He's captured. He's not free anymore. I can remember years ago, a young guy young adult guy in the church, lovely lad. Um, but he got started dating a girl he was working with. 
she was a, a queen manipulator and it was a toxic relationship and that guy began to be destroyed because of that relationship. It really did his head in. I'm not going to say obviously who he is, most of you wouldn't know him, but if you talk to him today and he's back with the Lord now, but he will point back to that time where that relationship, he became obsessed with this girl and she played him for everything she could and it really stole, it robbed about 20 years out of his life. So maybe you have someone you care about and they're captured today. They're in some kind of a prison. Well, Lot was in a prison. So how did Abraham respond to this? What did the, the guy who had real faith, remember the Bible says Abraham uh, talked with the Lord. He, he prayed regularly. He was close to God. He was a good guy, a godly man. How did he respond? Well, we're told that Abraham gathered his 318 trained men immediately. What I want to do is I want to just park the car just for a little bit. You see, it's certain that when Abraham heard that the guy who was like a son to him was now a prisoner, just think of the moment when he heard the news. So one guy escapes from capture, goes and tells Abraham, it was, like, it was like someone stuck a dagger in his heart. Imagine if someone came to your door and they said about someone you love, a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, a husband, a wife, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a son, a daughter, and that something really bad happened to them. How would you feel? I know for me it would be like a dagger in my heart. I would be hurt. Abraham was a human being. Just because he was a man of faith didn't mean he was some kind of robot. So he would have felt that emotionally. He probably wept. But here's the different thing. Besides the fact that Abraham was drawing in this reality, Abraham was prepared. He had 318 trained men. What? He had a private army. Now, back then, you kind of needed a bit of protection because it wasn't exactly like today where you could just phone up the guardie if there's a bit of trouble. You can't phone the guards or the police or whatever. You know, you didn't have that kind of setup. But the fact that Abram had 318 trained men and that the Bible records it exactly is very significant. Number one, it tells us that Abram was prepared for all eventualities. When I was a child and we were in the Boy Scouts, the motto in the Boy Scouts here was in Irish and Gaelic and it was, Be Olive. Anyone tell me what that means? Be prepared. Well, my goodness, was Abraham Olive, was he prepared? He already had trained men ready for battle for whatever the situation was. Do you have someone you love and you can see them slipping into a toxic relationship or slipping into an addiction or sliding away and going into uh, a lifestyle that can destroy them? You need to have your, your trained men ready. You, and how... You're not going to go out and hire mercenaries from Russia or whatever, you know. We're not talking about that. But you, you'll have your prayers ready. You'll have your friends ready to pray. You, you'll have prepared yourself. The other thing we need to know from this is um, Abraham had chosen higher ground. He let Lot get the fertile land. But if you read into it, Abraham was incredibly wealthy. And I'm not speaking some kind of prosperity gospel here, but Abraham, God prospered him. 
even though the land he had wasn't very fertile. Because the Bible says riches are a blessing from the Lord and striving has nothing to do with it. So because Abraham was right with God and he put the Lord first, he didn't put money first, he put God first in his life, God blessed him as a result. And so he was incredibly prosperous. There were very few men back then, or women, who could have 318 trained men. This guy was blessed, but he always kept a humble heart. And he always cared for others. And he always kept his relationship with God right. So when the day of trouble came knocking at his door, he was ready. Are we ready? Make by God's grace, none of us here will see any kind of trouble for a long time. But every now and again it comes, doesn't it? And if you've lived in this planet long enough, you know trouble will come knocking at your door. But let's be ready. Let's be like Abram and have our trained men. We have our prayers. We're right with God. We have our support emotionally, friends, family, spiritually. Abraham was ready, and so he gets his 318 men, and he's ready to go. Here's the thing. Abraham's about to go and rescue Lot, but up to this point, and we need to recognize this, we never read of Abraham attacking Lot because he chose to live down in the well-watered plains in Sodom and Gomorrah. He never seems to have passed judgment. He never attacked him. He never told him. Like that, his lifestyle spoke louder than his words. Hallelujah. When people smell the peace of God in your life or in my life, when they smell that authentic spirituality, it's, it's so attractive. But if we come at people to attack them and to attack someone's life, and they, maybe God isn't in their lives at all. And we expect them to live the way we should live. So we just need to be wise about that. Abraham, Abraham was ready to rescue his nephew, almost his son. But we see the way he walked here. It was very wise. So what does he do? He did it immediately. He knew time was of the essence. And we read that in verse 14, they traveled right up to the far north of Israel to an area known as Dan uh, in later times. So the Bible says we should be extra mile people. We should be willing to go the extra mile, the extra kilometer, I suppose we call it. No. Well, Abraham went way beyond that. He put himself out for the person he cared about. And this is a real mark of a true believer. We will put ourselves out. We'll go extra to show that person how much we care and how much we love them and how much we want to see them rescued. So Abraham himself is involved. He doesn't just send the men off. He himself goes. Some people are all about delegating. You know what? There's a time for delegating and there's a time to get stuck in and roll up your sleeves yourself. Abraham wasn't delegating this. He was in the middle of it with these guys. So they travel up to the far north of Israel. I want to just quote this verse from the New Testament. This tells us about what kind of a guy he was. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to an unknown place, obeyed God, even though he did not know where he was going. This is an example of the kind of faith this man had. 
So he's going up to the far north of Israel. He didn't really know what he was going into. It must have reminded him of what happened years earlier when he left what we now call Iraq and headed off into the unknown. Some of us need to know every detail about our future. You know what? Trust God. Have faith in God. You don't have to have every detail uh, at hand. But you do need to have a good relationship with God. Trust God. He'll look after you. And Abraham was a man of faith. And Hebrews 11, we call that the hall of fame in the New Testament. If you're mentioned in this, it means you really had an exemplary life of faith. So he would have prayed. He would have spoken to the Lord. He would have listened to the Lord. He would be ready spiritually going up on this long journey and then when he gets up and he finds where his loved one was held prisoner and captured what does he do he doesn't just run in and go blah all emotional he doesn't just flood in there no no he uses his mind because we're told he divided his forces in two and then he attacked by night if you study military history, this is known as a pincer movement, where you get your army and they go into two different divisions and then they'll attack from two positions. So Abraham was not only a man of faith and of prayer, he also used his mind. Some people think it's just all faith. That's very important, but God has given us a mind as well. Some people think it's all the mind. And we saw what happened to Lot. He just used his mind. He didn't use his faith. So Abraham divided his forces in two. And then he attacked by night. I mentioned that young guy from many years ago. I can remember praying about how could I, I don't know, try and reach out to the lad and rescue him in some way. Because he was really, you could even see it in his face. There was a darkness coming over him. Um, this relationship was leading him into a life of addiction as well as everything else. And I can remember praying about it. And I prayed and I prayed. And I said, Lord, how do I reach out to him? We hadn't seen him in church. And after a time of praying, I felt that I should now think about it and use my mind. And so I thought, I'm not going to call to him on this day because she's going to be there, and I'm not going to call to him right after work, because he's going to be tired and cold and hungry. So I choose my time to call. And I remember I called on a Saturday afternoon, when I know he'd be on his own, when I know he wouldn't be tired, cold, and hungry. He'd be more rested, and so he'd be more open to a conversation. So I choose my time, and then when I met with him, I choose how I should approach it, and try and reach out honestly, as God is my judge, trying to reach out to him in love. I wasn't there telling him how to live his life, but I cared enough, and so did his family, to see that the guy didn't destroy his life. And so that's what I did. And this, I suppose, in a much better way, we see what Abraham did. So if you have someone that you love or that you care about, and you know they're not in a great place, don't just rush in with your guns blazing. Pray and then think. And then you act. Pray, think, act. P-T-A. That probably stands for something else. You know, Parent Teachers Association or something. It probably stands for some medical condition. I see some of the doctors kind of lighting up there. I don't know the medical condition. If you've got PTA, I'm not pointing out at you. Pray, think, act. 
This is what Abraham did. Remember in Luke 14 we read, Jesus said, to construct a building, you'll first estimate the cost. A king will count his troops before going into battle. How many people here, if you're going to rent an apartment or buy a house, you've got to have your money sorted out. You're going to use your mind then. Why is it that sometimes we close our minds down because it's a spiritual issue in ways? No, we need to have both our faith and our minds. I love the old Christian proverb that says, for what we can understand, God has given us our minds. And for what we cannot understand, he has given us his spirit. Hallelujah. If we can understand it, God has given us our minds. But there's some things we'll never know. And that's why we need our faith and the Holy Spirit to move and to change and to transform. Um, I, I honestly wonder how people who don't have a faith with God go through life. It's like going through life with one eye blind. It's like going through life with one arm tied behind your back. If we ignore the fact that we are not just physical, emotional, and mental, but we're also spiritual, and we are illiterate spiritually, we're walking through life with one hand tied behind our back. We're trying to fight battles in life with only one arm. Why why should we not have both arms? Let's realize we're spiritual and we need this. So Abraham was a man of faith and he used his mind. Praise God. And then we read that they defeated and they even chased the enemy. And they set Lot and all the people free. Praise God. When we have faith and we have our minds in a good sense, we can see great victory. We can see the people we love set free. We can see ourselves set free. Maybe it's us. Sometimes we kind of think, well, I'm a Christian. I'm fine. I never have any issues. That's crazy. Sometimes as Christians, we can have just as difficult an issue as anyone else. But that's why we need faith, and that's why we need our minds. If you want to look in uh, further study... Um, I'm just going to throw up a slide with a few points. Maybe you want to take a screenshot. You probably don't. But anyway, if you do, I don't have time to go into it today. There was a confederation of five kings. Genesis 14 will tell you about that. In verse 13, we have the very first use of the term Hebrew. Uh, Abraham the Hebrew. And it means passed over or even passenger, someone carried by the Lord. Um, you can read in Genesis 14 all about tar pits or asphalt tips. Um, and these are very symbolic. They're in verse 10. And if you look at the archaeological evidence, you can look it up online. We can see that this particular battle or war that Abram went into was actually genocide. And for over 100 years, that whole area, even though it was fertile, was devoid of human life. Such was the genocide that happened there. So Abraham wasn't just having an old skirmish with someone. Abraham was really right at the very eye of a, of a major storm. It was more than World War I and was probably more similar to World War II. Such was the issue that was going on there. So what does that mean for us today? It's this combination, brothers and sisters, of having wisdom and faith. Some of us here may need to have more faith. 
We've got wisdom, but we need more faith. And more of us, maybe we have the faith, but we don't know what to do with a situation we're facing. You know what James says in his letter? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God for it, who will give it to you liberally. So if we need wisdom for something that's going on in our lives, let's pray in just a few moments that God gives us the wisdom. And if we need faith, let's pray that God will give us the faith and give us that depth of spirituality so we ourselves will be free to be the men and the women God has called us to be and that all those who we love will be set free as well. Who will say amen? There is only one who can really rescue. I praise God for medical intervention and for counseling. All these things are great. But you know, the biggest, the deepest, the most profound way for anyone to change their lives is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, the life. He said himself, no one can come to the Father except through me, is what Jesus said. Jesus is the only way. Oh no, there's many ways to God. No, there's not. As a Christian with all my heart, I declare, Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way. So we need faith. And if as a believer you have faith, but it's weak, let's pray that God will give us a bit more faith so that you will be blessed, so that your family will be blessed, so that your children and your children's children would be blessed, and that your future will not be kidnapped and trafficked by the evil one. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Band, could you come up? I've asked the guys to sing a song called You Alone Can Rescue. He is the only one who can rescue. Praise God. So let's pray that the Lord will rescue a loved one today. And maybe some of us here need to be rescued ourselves. And I can remember being in that place as well. So we're going to pray that, but we're going to sing the song. You can throw up the words there, Isaiah. Thank you. Let's sing this through, and then we're going to pray. Wisdom, faith, Rescue our loved ones and maybe rescue even us. Praise God. Who, O oh Lord, could save themselves? Their own soul could heal. Hallelujah. Who, O oh Lord, could save themselves? Their own souls could heal. Our shame was Your grace is deep, the 